the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan. Uh, we can't say hello to our co-host as we usually do. Oh, wait, here, here he is. Last minute Louie calls in right now. <laughs> he always does this to me. Gene. Hello, Patrick. Sorry, I'm a little tardy, but you know I'm on the uh, I'm I'm on the East Coast this time, so I've had a little bit of a, a time scheduling difference there, but I made it. Sorry for being late. That's uh, okay. I think you like that. Now you're you're like usually you like call in five seconds before it goes. Now you're five seconds after, but that's okay. <laughs> you know that's why I got the gray hair. Anyway, we know that, you know, you've been busier than an NSA email screener. Why don't you tell everybody where you are now, sir? You are correct. Uh, uh, let's see. We are uh, in uh, lovely Annapolis, Maryland, which uh, it, it is very lovely out here. It took me 30 hours to get from Texas to uh, to Annapolis in, uh, on the, the airline which was a pretty interesting adventure. We are with the um, uh, uh, NCLETC, which is the Law Enforcement and Tribal Commission's uh, uh, organization, and we are discussing unmanned aircraft use in the national airspace. And we have uh, some folks from the FAA here, the DHS, the DOJ, Many other initials are represented, and uh, it uh, so far has been very informative. Uh, we have been focusing more on law enforcement use, and uh, I, I think Patrick, you'll you'll appreciate that there there seems to be a turning point in this, in that the the transparency issue is really really being pushed hard. That this is if law enforcement wants to use these assets. Uh, that transparency is going to have to be in place before uh, they're going to be accepted by the public. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't couldn't agree with them more. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying uh, that for a while. You, you, you just, I mean, you know, if you want to use it in the community, you can't. It can't be secretive. You know, you got to say, hey, this. It's like the police dog analogy I've used before. Hey, this is how, this is what it is. This is how it works. This is how we want to use it. You know, like even in Berkeley, I said, hey, maybe you know, uh, the community needs to come together with the police and talk about how you want to use it, and what you want to do with it, and we'll sign off on it. And if you abuse it, then we take away the privilege. You know, it's just like anything else. You know, well, let's come together as a community. Takes a village, Gene. Yeah. Well. You know what's even more encouraging to me, Patrick, is the fact that a lot more of these agencies are getting folks like the ACLU involved, the EFF involved, and saying, you know, let's work on some, what is it, magic word, standards. Yeah, uh, standards? I've never heard that one before. Really? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's one of those words that we've used in the past, and it seems like a, a curse word sometimes, but... Develop standards with folks like the ACLU and the EFF and those privacy uh, uh, advocates is the way. Because, you know, one of the more interesting comments is that the police departments that have actually put programs into place met with those organizations on privacy 
and not only took their recommendations, but made them even stricter than what they called for. Right. Which I thought was a very interesting observation out of this whole deal. And I don't believe that the public really perceives that that's the case. No, and, and you know, it, it's kind of, you know, interesting, you know, that you bring this up because I, I think that there's a stereotype, too. There are stereotypes out there, believe it or not. Uh, humans do that. But uh, from people thinking about privacy that, oh, you know, you're going to be spying on me or whatever. But there's also this misconception that uh, ACLU and EPIC and EFF and the rest of these people are totally anti the technology, which is not the case. It's it, no. when you sit there and you talk to them and you one on one, they're like, well, I don't know, yeah, that's cool. You know, you just have to. Um, people have the Orwellian misconception, which this I think uh, this week, sixty four years, nineteen eighty four, and and Mister yep. Orwell might have been on something. I think the next stop might be Animal Farm. <laughs> Just to guess, I don't know. Anyway, um, so they are approachable. You can talk to them. They're reasonable. You can work it out with some people. Of course, there are some people that are hard over on the deal, you know. But, you know, realistically, um, you know, I don't think people are going to be, you know, I was thinking about this. Maybe it's a little um, vain to think that people are going to want to watch people smoke pot in their backyard. I, you know, there's chubbier fish to fry. But anyway. So I know you've been there. It was hard for you to get there. Upshot on the deal. Anybody I know there? Any of my pals there? Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, there <clears throat> there are a few from the uh, uh, FAA that you might know. Um, I haven't had the opportunities. To, I haven't had the opportunity to get in and you know press flash as much as I'd like to have because. Uh, you know, when you get in six hours late from the beginning of the the uh, thing, you kind of have to fall into the the workshops and start getting going on things. And uh, that's the way we've been since we landed here yesterday, and uh, that's probably the way we're going to stay until we leave tomorrow. But uh, you know, I've got to say that that uh, there's some really good information coming out of it. I think that there's a lot of folks that that are on board with with everything that that uh, we've espoused and that we've we've tried to get going, um, you know, but we're learning more and more, you know, what the restrictions are, whose hands are tied, whose hands are, are not, and who's not doing what they should. And, you know, of course, we've, we've heard everything about the, uh, the, the, the political climate in Washington around UAs is volatile. And, uh, you know, with the, with the 32 states now having some sort of, legislation in place or, or in in the works that is, you know, directed at unmanned aircraft, it's just, it's a minefield right now. It is. And, and you know, I did, I posted the video of the that Senate hearing on privacy, and, um, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, you probably have watched a little Saturday Night Live in your time, Gene. There's been some periods where it was good. But uh, the chairman of the Subcommittee on Privacy and Technology is none other than uh, Mr. Al Franken, which is hard for me. <laughs> Maybe it's me. It's hard for me to, to, you know, take it all serious. And then, you know, even watching that, you know, I, I never really watched the whole video, but I just watched the whole thing. And then after this deal broke with Prism, and I mean, I knew I was getting screwed, you know, anytime time he used the Goog. 
But, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, it makes the drone thing look like Candyland. But, yeah, that's probably a discussion for another time. One other thing I wanted to ask you about. Now, we know you were on another field trip, and it's bigger than um, bigger than Bigfoot. Can you talk about it? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, with the the – the the group that goes all over the world and does some of the most fascinating photography that you've ever seen in your life, but um, uh, yeah, we're we're going to be uh, showing what uh, uh, potential disaster mitigations could uh, arise from using unmanned aircraft, and I, I do believe that one is going to be out in the fall. And, and it's cable. Uh, I really can't. It is cable, yeah, and I really can't say much about it. But uh, it, so it that means you didn't make any money. No, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I spent a few days awake. Uh, you know, I hate to advertise for anybody, but yeah, they had Cliff Bars there for craft service, and you know, it was that was it. You know, we lived off Cliff Bars, peanut butter, and chocolate for two days, and you know, stayed up for. 36 hours straight trying to meet the production schedule. I love cable TV. But indeed, anyway, I look forward to uh, to that. And uh, when it gets closer, are we going to air date? We'll bring that up. Anyway, okay, so that's great. You know, I'm glad to hear uh, that that's going good. And we'll want a full debrief when the show is over, maybe next week. Um, so let's march into the show here. Uh, I, I, you know, we've we've probably mentioned this a few times. The SUAS News, uh, Silicon Valley chapter of AVSI, 3D Robotics, R Kappa. We are putting on a uh, small unmanned systems business exposition, first of its kind in the world. Um, the idea, basically, behind it is, you know, we're here and we're ready to do business out of the closet. You know, we've been we've been at this for a while. Uh, this has been part of our narrative, but now we're putting the flag on the moon. Uh, we're doing it. We want to bring this to light to people, and I think it's 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 part of the narrative that really needs to be brought to the forefront, just as you were talking about with the privacy and who's going to do what. And yep, yep, yep. And I think that uh, this will be a showcase where both the public can come and see uh, the business uses that have already been done and been out there. So now, I mean, that's another thing is people think, oh, this is this is something new, or it came out of the military, or it's only been here for a year. Not true. You know, it's kind of, you only really heard about it in the military, and now we're like, oh, we got to beat the swords into plowshares, blah, blah, blah. Well, they were plowshares first, became swords, and now we're coming back. But we want to talk about that. You know, we want to talk about these positive uses and what people want to do as a business. So it's also going to be for people that want to be in this business to come there and hear from professionals uh, and business people that have made money. But also, uh, we want people to be able to, let's say, get a get a flavor for what it is going to be to become uh, a manufacturer or producer or end user um, in this field. And and so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to start. Uh, interviewing some of the people that are going to be speaking at this, you can go to uh, www.susbexpo.com and you'll see the lineup of the speakers. Um, today's 
speaker is in uh, our first guest. He's going to be speaking about at the U Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo. He's from the uh, law firm of LeClaire Ryan. His name is uh, Douglas McQueen. Uh, sir, could you please introduce yourself to the audience, little bio, and how you got involved or interested in unmanned aircraft systems? Hey, Patrick. Hey, Gene. Thanks for uh, okay. thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks uh, for coming. Oh, glad to be here. Glad to talk to you. By uh, by way of introduction, I'm a an aviation attorney and actually a veteran airline pilot. I've been involved professionally in the field of aviation and aviation safety for at least 20 years. I've worked as a certified flight instructor, a, a corporate pilot, a commuter airline pilot, and also for the major airlines. I've worked in uh, training departments. And I've also been trained as an accident investigator. So as, a, as an attorney, I focus on a variety of aviation matters, but in particular accident litigation. So um pretty familiar with what the issues are when things go wrong, all the standard uh, tort issues uh, that we see in the aftermath of an accident, uh, liability, uh, causation of the accident, damages. I... Uh, as aviation attorneys, we look into uh, issues like just basic issues like what was my client's action the cause of the harm? Were there interceding or other contributing factors that we might want to look at? So, and and to do that requires a lot of fact investigation. And uh, one thing that helps me out with a, a long background in the aviation industry is that it helps to be knowledgeable in the field in order to do that fact investigation to understand the, the cases that we handle. Um, more importantly, however, uh, as attorneys, when when we put that litigation use to knowledge, that, that litigation knowledge to use, we like to uh, we like to consult with our clients on a variety of operational and safety issues that try to keep them out of trouble. Uh, we, we like to get involved with our clients before an issue ever arises. And, and one of the things I'll be focusing on at the Expo is talking to entrepreneurs and potential uh, small business owners in this field about getting involved with a competent attorney before issues even arise. So there will be a lot of topic areas that, that we can cover uh, that that I could speak to them about where they may be interested in seeking the advice of a of a competent attorney, someone who is actively involved in the field. Right now, you know, and and you, you're getting out there a little bit, but I, I wanted to, you know, I, as I had kind of set this up about the small unmanned systems business expo, you know, this being the first of its kind and. And uh, really trying to, let's say, turn, I, I see it as trying to turn the, the uh, Titanic myself into the future here. Um, and, you know, and your, your firm is one of the sponsors of the Expo. And maybe you could give us a little background about that. I mean, we talked about, you know, the, the thinking there, the, the forward thinking. But maybe, you know, you can uh, discuss that just a little bit of uh, why they got interested in this. And, and and why they decided to come on board. Sure, sure. Well, at my firm at LeClaire Ryan, I'm a member of an aviation industry team. 
and our team tries to keep a close eye on the aviation field, uh, various things going on in the industry, industry development, things like FAA's uh, next-gen uh, project, any new legislation that comes out. Uh, we keep tabs on various accident investigations and court case developments that are going on. We, we, we try and stay current. It's, it's just like being a pilot. You try and stay current so that um, you, your skills are sharp and you know what's going on in your environment. Um, so so that's, that's part of why we're interested. But also a lot of the work that we do is on behalf of insurance companies that represent a wide variety of insured customers. And these are manufacturers, operators, et cetera. So we have an obligation on our industry, our aviation industry team to both those insurance companies and their, their customers to stay really current on any developing trends in the industry. And a couple of years ago, our industry team saw the potential growth of the UAS field. We felt like we had an obligation to be prepared uh, for both the advancements that are going to come technological advancements in the field and, and changes that may occur to the uh, aviation field in general. So that's that's really what, what spurred our interest. Well, I, it's pretty uh, forward-thinking. I mean, uh, I, I think for a while people were kind of thinking that this technology was kind of uh, fringe or, you know, Maybe you'll get a foothold someday, but I, I truly believe this to be the future of aviation, and I believe that the people that are coming on board now kind of believe the same. Is is, is that fair to say about your uh, your firm? Oh, I absolutely agree. I think we want to um, be able to have a feel for our surroundings, that kind of uh, situational awareness of 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 where the field is, and and not try and play catch up as. Uh, seemingly as the FAA has been doing along the way with the technology. We, we want to be right in pace with the technology as it develops. We want to help the entrepreneurs that are going to grow in this field. Inevitably, that's going to happen. So uh, we'd like to be there in lockstep with them to be able to provide them with, with competent advice. Right, right. And I think that's important. But I do think that uh, it's a first-to-market thing, and I'm I'm glad that we have you guys on board. Um, it's something that really has been la uh, lacking in this field. There's a huge void for services that your firm could offer. And one of those, and I, and I believe this will be probably something that you'll be uh, speaking about at the, the symposium here, the expo, is product liability. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, we're, we're really, it's more even than a 3D environment. I think we're in a, like a 4D environment here. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff, uh, you know, talking to the community, uh, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm downloading my stuff off the Internet. It's not mine. So if it goes awry or, or whatever, it's not really my responsibility. Uh, eh, not so much. So you think that'll be... Uh, one of the subjects, product liability, be one of the subjects you speak about? Oh, it certainly will be. Not only speak about it, but be able to answer questions for for folks about it. Um, you know, to, to get to that point, and especially dealing with um, small upstart entrepreneurs, you know, o over the years, too many businesses, it seems like, have, have fallen to the wayside because of issues related to li liability 
including products liability. And we we could discuss or debate all day the merits and the problems of having a litigious society, but um, you know that alone isn't going to fix the issue for a new business owner, a new entrepreneur. Uh, as a new business owner, it, what a new business owner needs to know is a way of setting up and protecting their business properly, um, including in regards to liab- potential liability for the products that they produce. So, uh, you know, th- that's going to be uh, uh, certainly products liability uh, along that vein is going to be a big part of, uh, of what we're able to talk about at the, uh, at the meeting. Okay. Uh, but, you know, um Maybe some other topics too. Another one I talk about, you know, insurance is always a big one. And uh, you said, you know, you uh, were kind of, of course, lockstep or kind of working with insurance companies. And uh, that's another one. You know, people talk about all the time. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, you married, you know, if I, I have a little like running joke, you know, you own a house. Yeah, you know, if you don't have insurance, when the sheriff's banging on the door and they're taking the house and the wife's divorcing you, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, I, I think your your what you're going to bring to the show or symposium is going to be excellent for people to start thinking about. Hey, you know, this is how I set up a business or a corporation, or I want to be a. I, I don't think the people really are in touch with that. That really, you're talking about starting like an aviation company, and there are going to be certain uh, professional nuances and T's to cross and I's to dot and all the rest of that, and so that'll. You only have you're only going to have a half hour, Douglas. <laughs> There's probably way too much information to cram in there, but um, you know, even if we do a a bird's eye view of some of the issues that these uh, entrepreneurs may face, and then afterwards invite them to follow up with any questions, I think that would give them a great opportunity to um, at least uh, crack the shell and get started. In, in Absolutely. Information they might need to get. Absolutely, and and that's exactly the 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 kind of the ethos of the show. So, okay, I look forward to that. I look forward to uh, meeting you, and I and I'm I'm really excited about uh, what you have to offer in the symposium. The the the, the last thing I have for you is is there um, maybe you could uh, give out the website for your firm where listeners can learn more about the uh, services your firm offers will offer. Oh, sure, sure. That's a great idea. It's uh, Um By way of description, our, we have uh, 22 offices nationwide, over 300 attorneys, and a whole variety of disciplines. And I think that's what makes us particularly well-suited to be able to handle uh, the variety of issues that a new entrepreneur in the unmanned systems business might face is that uh, – we're a multidisciplinary firm with a pretty broad national footprint. So uh, people can go to our website, uh, either uh, look me up or look up the bios of some of our other professionals. Um, they could also look me up on, on LinkedIn. Um, and I'd encourage them, that, you know, whether or not you would, they attend the show, if people have a question related to uh, legal needs of uh, the unmanned aerial systems, uh, field that they uh, feel free to reach out and, and give us a call. And again, the the the, the overriding message that uh, I, I'd like to get out to people is reach out to a professional, ask questions, and get good advice before you have a problem. 
It's the best thing you could do to stay out of trouble. And we all want to stay out of trouble. All right. Well, the other thing is, this being a first, uh, we are going to try and stream the symposium. You know, we're, we 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 want to uh, bring everyone in on the conversation. We'll also be recording it and probably putting it somewhere. Uh, I think it's a good idea what you mentioned there. Uh, people might want to go check out the website now. Look at the stuff they offer. You might open your eyes a little bit as to uh, some of the let's say issues that could face you in the future. And uh, if you're at the symposium, and we're also going to maybe try and do uh, some questions over the internet, uh, might be a good primer for uh, Mr. McQueen's, uh, let's say, presentation. So, all right, Douglas, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Uh, that's the, the end of the first segment. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Gene. You guys have a good day. You too. Talk to you soon. All right, and then that, that brings us into uh, segment two. And uh, it is AUVSI Board of the Le Director election season. It's upon us again. They they, they uh, offset it. And we had some uh, folks on last year. And we talked about what their, let's say, view is as a candidate and for them to talk about their visions for the future and whatnot. And so kicking this year um, off is our next guest. And he's been on the show before, but, uh, you know, we want to have him back on here. It's Mr. Doug Davis. Doug, you out there? I'm here, Pat. Thanks for having me. Hey, Doug, you're always welcome here, pal. <laughs> All right, good. We go way back now. You know, uh, yes, we we, we've known each other for a little while. Now, you know, I did say that you've been on this, this show, and we have had a, um, you know, we've had a couple of listeners, a couple over. I don't know, 225,000 listeners, and not all of them come back every week. So maybe for the benefit of the audience, would you uh, could you could you please give us a little bio about yourself um, and your history and and how you came to be where you are and what you're kind of doing? Yeah, sure. Sounds uh, sounds good. Be happy to. So uh, again, Doug Davis. I work with New Mexico State University in the physical science lab. Uh, I've been there for about four years. Uh, before that, uh, after a brief stop with uh, Raytheon for a few months, now forgive me for background noise. I'm actually at, at the beach with the family, taking a little bit of a vacation here before things start, but um, I can't control the background. It's okay. Um, but before that, I, I spent 25 years, this side 25 years, with the FAA. Started as an air traffic controller and got into airspace procedures and traffic management and. Uh, supervision and things, but the last five years in particular with the FAA, uh, I was the uh, the manager of the unmanned aircraft program office, uh, the first one, stood it up and uh, hired a bunch of people and, and tried to get some policies in position and some things moving uh, until I uh, decided that uh, I'd had enough working for the government, so I left um, in 2009. Uh, so currently, I am um, I, I'm a jack of all trades. I, I have my fingers in a lot of uh, things going on. One of them, um, I, I co-chair along with Dr. Steve Cook from MITRE, uh, the OSD Simpson Avoid Science and Research Panel, and uh, we're we're a group of, um, of experts in the community that are looking at research gaps in particular. Avoid. We we hear a lot of discussion about. Uh, products and technical things being developed, but there still are a lot of research gaps um, uh, that we don't have filled in yet 
uh, for Sense in the Void that we need some focus on. Um, it's not going to keep things from getting developed, but I think it's going to make it harder. Um, and so we work uh, with the DOD. Next week we have a meeting with uh, FAA at the Technical Center and uh, the DOD and NASA to discuss uh, collaboration across government agency lines um, with this kind of capability. So it's very exciting. I think it's going to uh, bring good things uh, for it. The uh, couple of the other things I do, I think it was mentioned on uh, some of the, the show prep stuff, but I, I also, New Mexico State University belongs to CANSO, which is the Civil Air Navigation Service Organization, um, and they represent 90% uh, of the world's air navigation service providers. Um, and so I, I uh, in, in that role and that membership, I represent CANSO and the ICAO UAS study group. Um, so we play a lot with, in fact, just in Montreal last week, at the, the latest IKO UAS study group, um, and uh, they have a lot of a global uh, reach and a global feel uh, being uh, being a part of that group. So that's, uh, I mean, we could go on for a while, but I think those are a couple of the key things, Patrick, that are relevant to the subject at hand today. Right. Well, you know, first I want to thank you for taking a, a little time out of the family vacation. I know that that can be, uh, you know, it can be a little difficult. You're trying to enjoy yourself, so I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, you touched on, and, and that's why we'd like to have you on here, Doug, because, you know, you're an interesting guest. You do, you know, you're you're a little involved in the program here, but uh, you went over a lot of stuff. And uh, before we kind of get into this, I'd like to talk about that. You said like some people are working on products, and and um, we had Chuck Johnson on, and I was asking him too. I mean, and he kind of alluded to this, but uh, do you think that uh, a lot of these manufacturers, let's say the bigger ones, you know, that people would recognize the name, are they working on solutions in the dark, kind of on their own? Well, I don't. I don't know that any of them are doing a whole lot on their own uh, just yet. Uh, with internal funds, IRAD is called Re internal research and development. Um, and not when it comes to unmanned aircraft. Uh, I still, and I, I might have this all wrong. I still think think some of the bigger companies are are not really dumping a whole lot of IRAD money into some of the bigger products unless the government's funding it. So, um, well, I think it's a risk proposition. I think clearly that when, whenever you're trying to develop technologies that, that don't have standards for, then you, you're at risk uh, well, that with was, product development. That was my question. Is it just is the is the the standard thing just so murky, like that nobody can stare stare into the crystal ball. So they're just it's too risky to invest money in in, in uh, sensitive void type products. Is that what you're kind of saying? It's opinion. Yeah, uh, well, it's my opinion. I think that that there's there are probably a few companies working on things, but again, whether they're doing that for IRAD, I, I still think I was listening to part of your previous guest, and you you mentioned this, I think, the whole first-to-market stuff, and I agree with you. I mm -hmm. think there is a desire to get first-to-market uh, on a lot of, you know, operational, operationally capable aircraft. The, the issue is when you talk something serious like Sense and Avoid, which has to go through a very in-depth formal certification program, you know, doing that without standards is, is, a, is, is a significant prospect. 
Well, I have like a little, uh, you know, it's it's a possible scenario, uh, you know, um, that maybe this is kind of, you know, it could go either way. But, you know, the Congress might say, all right, that's that's enough. You you clowned the horse around enough and uh, we want integration into the NAS now. And then they pull the play out of the playbook, the TCAS Hail Mary and, you know, Company X comes up and goes, hey, here it is. You know, we've been working on this. I think that's a possibility. No, I don't. I don't think so. Not not, not here. From here. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so yet. And I think, by and large, and this is where what I want to bring to the board of director kind, uh, uh, board of directors for VSI kind of lines up. Look, it, it's it's about a business proposition, a commercial business case. And I I think, as you and I have talked for years, Pat, that there clearly is one for small and mid aircraft. It clearly is a low hanging fruit that we should be optimizing because of risk, operational needs, and the business case that's there is ready to push the trigger now on, right? Mm-hmm. But but the larger aircraft, you know, not so much yet. Um, and and so, so when's that going to happen, and how is that going to cause some of the investment in the business as well as the pressure that we can uh, bring to bear as an advocacy group uh, onto the hill to get those kinds of uh, structures and things in place to be able to help, and a lot of those guys are saying, "Well, show me the show me the money. Where where is are the jobs? Where where really is this technology going? It's still not very clear." Well, that's you know kind of what we wanted to do with the the, the business expo. Say, hey, you know, these guys are out here and they've been doing this and yada yada. And, and you know, kind of as to one other question is, you know, you're working with the IKO thing, and a lot of people. Uh, point out that, you know, we just you just mentioned the small, and I think we're on the same page, um, that there are, you know, let's say they crack the door open, but it seems to me that a lot of these groups get together and they're like, yeah, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit is the smalls. Um, we got to do something here. And that's about a conversation for about five or ten minutes, and then we're right on to the big stuff. Is it, <laughs> do, do you see that too? I mean, it's kind of, you know, I just start wanting to bang my head on the wall because then the next thing, you know, the guy's like, oh, hey, you want to see my business plan for uh, Global Hawk? You know, and I want to run out of the yeah. room screaming. <laughs> right. Well, something that looks like, uh, you know, it could fit inside uh, the palm of your hand isn't as sexy as the X-47 or uh, the UCAP, you know, that kind of stuff. That's really cool stuff. So, you know, yeah. I... I, I that's where the money is. Uh, that's not right. clearly where the number. That's not where the numbers are. I mean, the, the numbers don't show that there's going to be a huge amount of numbers of large unmanned aircraft. There's there's going to be a huge amount of numbers of small UAS. Period. Um, right. And and so that perspective, it's you know, I, I'll get back to this again. But the concern I have and have always advocated is we don't want our community to walk away with the perception from external folks that the products we're building and want to fly and operate are disposable or expendable. Um, I think that that, might sound, uh, send a bad message. Yeah, well, it definitely does. (laughs) Imagine if you were a car company. Yeah, you know. You just uh, leave it on right. the side of the road. You may not survive, but hey. Yeah, no, I think we're on the uh, same page of that. Now, I just I wrote a little, uh, like an op-ed called The Drone Dealer Diaries, and I talked about, you know, um, I've had, since sequestration, 
um, I've had some of these, uh, let's say, uh, servicing uh, contractors call me up and uh, pick my brain about commercial business cases, say, for ag. And, uh, you know, you say, okay, well, this is great. You know, um, what are you guys going to fly? Oh, we got these shadows over here, and we're going to, yeah, and I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to make a shadow uh, with all the people and equipment and the cost and all the rest of that work. And if you really go out to Farmer Brown and you tell him, or a Global Hawk or whatever, and you tell these people, yeah, it's going to be uh, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 an hour, I think they're going to look at our industry and go, are, are you out of your mind? I mean, it may be, but... It always seems to go to the larger systems right off the bat. I, you know, I don't know. It's a little disappointing, but um, well, look, I think I think the the real thing to stay away from is that we can't we can't be cookie cutter um, uh, because every situation, every business demand may be different, and and mm-hmm. they may demand a different platform. Um, and so we should always keep in mind. Um, you know what we did for the platform, but but one of the things I do that I didn't talk about was I I, I help out with the Arctic monitoring and assessment program with the uh, the Arctic Council, trying to get unmanned aircraft up on the Arctic uh, to fly cross FIR operations. The first mm-hmm. thing that scientists sometimes want to do is look at the platform before they decide what kind of data they want to gather. So the the real, the real question is, what do you need to gather? You know, how do you need to gather it? And then go buy your bus. We consider the frame always to be the bus. But decide mm-hmm. what you need for, and then decide what needs to go around it to carry it, transport it, that kind of thing. Um, and and, and I um, think they, I'm sorry. Well, it's just that's a great point because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's collecting data, you know. Um right. And uh, I, I think you're right on that. A lot of people get caught up on, you know, it's even the same with the privacy thing. Oh, you know, all this technology on a drone, you know, it, it's just a platform, you know, and figure out the platform you need to to uh, get the data that you need um, and, let's say, in, a, in an economy of scale. But now we, we ran long on that. But now you, you, you did outline a lot of your experience. I mean, you know, as far, probably as far as experience goes and in, in the regulatory side of things, I would say that, Doug, you, you're hands down. And obviously, you bring a lot of experience to, the, uh, to your candidacy. So how, you know, let me ask you, how would you apply that in the framework of the AEBSI, if elected? Well, I think... Uh it's all about influence, Pat. I think it's all about the passion for the the industry and where we need to go with it, and and convincing others to come along with you. You're you're not a, a single board member. You're you're a, a member of a composite of 22 or 23 others, and so you know it's it's influencing and convincing others that that you know what you're talking about. You need to move off in a certain direction. Um, and, and I have not, uh, I'll, admittedly, I have not had a whole lot of inner workings with how the board functions on AUVSI. Uh, I, I uh, respect and honor their staff. Uh, Mike Viscano is great, so is Gretchen, and I know them well. Um, and so from the perspective of how my role plays, uh, I think it. I, I bring both the, the civil side as well as the the military side with the experience I have, and then also with the industry side and, and research. So it really it gets down to what's the strategic vision of the organization. 
where where is AUBSI needed the most right now for the next three years, next five years, whatever it's going to be, and how do you uh, make it effective now? How do you make it effective five years from now? Uh, and, and then as I put in, I think, my short write-up, how, you know, how do we uh, forecast the next big thing like privacy? Something mm-hmm. else is going to hit us right between the eyes, right? Something else is going to that. How, how are we as an industry or an advocacy group prepared to handle what – I don't think we handled privacy very well as a community, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was handled as well as it could have been by AUVSI. Um, and I think that the question is, what's coming next, and, and why aren't we prepared for it? Right, I, and I would agree with that. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if you uh, listen to the podcast or read about my experience in Berkeley, California. <laughs> it was, it was definitely uh, an eye opener as far as what the public thinks about privacy. But um, I do think that uh, we could have done a better job. And, I mean, I don't want a Monday morning quarterback that too hard. But, uh, you know, these people are still open. You know, uh, Gene's at that uh, symposium on the law enforcement thing now, and there's people there. And they are open to hearing about it. We just had to have a better message. I don't think you can go in there and treat these people with contempt and canned, you know, talking points. you really got to open up and be human with them. I think we can do that. Absolutely. Now, and, and, and I think – you know, that privacy thing was really the, the, the detriment of, let's say, the, or to the detriment of the first responder. Any comments on that? Well, I think it's unfortunate that uh, that we had uh, members of the, the legislation of several states overreact, I think, to something that they weren't educated on. And, and they were responding it, to it in an emotional way. I, and that, that that brings up the issue. Well, then what education are we doing on an ongoing basis to kind of help offset things like that? Right. Like, well, how much education could we have done over the past several years leading up to that instead of it being controlled by the press? You know, the, the term drone is is a great example. We have tried to flick that bugger off our finger for as long as I can remember, and we're still not winning that, right? Now, we're still I think- not winning I think that fight's over, my friend, just because, uh, you know, the, the media now is all about clicks. And, you know, drones are just popular. I mean, if you, I mean, it's funny, I called Barbara Boxer's office out here, another, you know, uh, trying to, uh, let's say, chip away at the stone. And I said, yeah, I want to talk about unmanned aircraft systems or UAS. And, huh? Drones. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's, that's, right. that's what's out there. We got to go with it. But the thing is, it's a, I, I think the community, I'll go anywhere and talk to anyone. You know, I'm I've uh, I'm taking uh, Ted Ware's Benowski's. Uh, you know, let's say <laughs> the way he he'll go anywhere and talk to anybody about uh, unmade aircraft, especially the AV line. But I'll go anywhere and talk to anybody about it uh, and have an open and candid discussion about it. And that's what I really think needed to be done, should have been done. But you know, the DOD thing was easy money, man. You know, we yeah. uh, we could just sit back and say, oh hey, you know, let's we'll just ride this one in. That was to our detriment. Uh, you know, I'm a little outspoken, Doug. I don't know if you've heard that about me. <clears throat> but, no, uh, no, no, I don't believe it, not one bit. I know, I know. But, the, uh, you know, I said that uh, years ago that really we should be kind of focusing on what we can do and bringing it more to the <clears throat> small business, uh, you know, doing, um, you know, showcasing smaller businesses. Uh, 
would be people you might recognize as, you know, your brother or uncle or cousin or something else that is developing this and wants to be an end user. And I think as a community, if we would have done more of that, people could relate to it. If you ask most people, hey, what's a drone? They go, oh, it's that beluga whale thing with a missile on it, you know. And then you say, hey, well, you know, your police department wants a drone. What do you think? Hell no. You know, it's it's an it's an association thing that we haven't worked real well. And we're yeah. almost out of time, but, you know, I did mention earlier that we, uh, I watched that Senate hearing uh, with, um, about privacy. Did you, did you get to see that? Well, Back I, I in March. Not. I'm sorry. Well, no, you know, there was not. Mr. Franken, you remember, you watched uh, Saturday Night Live, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, it was kind of maybe suggesting that the FAA uh, deal with privacy. And, uh, you know, I know it's kind of a loaded question, but but what do you think? Do you think that they could get the expertise to deal with that, or is that better left elsewhere? No, I, I, don't think that's in, I don't think that's in their job, Jar. Uh, the FAA is a great safety organization and a regulator and a service provider, but the uh, Department of Privacy, no, I don't, I don't think they need to wear that. <laughs> Um, well, I kind of needs to go somewhere else. It scares me. I, I don't, you know, the, the the exposure that I've had to the FAA, and not that it's a bad thing. I just, I, you know, I, I'm a little, uh, let's say, apprehensive about uh, an, an administration like that or a governing body uh, interpreting the Constitution for me. That's, and I'll leave it at that. But in closing, Doug, anything else you would like to say about your your candidacy or your vision for the future, sir? Well, I think one of the things I'd like to see on the uh, the AUVSI board is a little bit different uh, structure as, as well as process with this. Um, it seems a little bit um, disadvantageous, I guess I should say, to uh, the way they rack and stack certain board members against each other, um, and then certain certain ballot areas are strong, certain are weak, and you don't have a whole lot of choice. Um, and, and I think that, that that ultimately harms the composite. Uh, I think I understand why it's done, but I, I'm not sure that, it, that it's being as effective as it could. Uh, the other thing, I guess, is that I, I think that, and I've got uh, a number of friends who are in the government and, and who sit on boards like this and others, um, I, I'm just not sure that government employees, full-time government employees, um, uh, are uh, are appropriate fit for an advocacy uh, association. Um, I, I think there's a potential conflict. It's kind of scary, Doug, that we think uh, more alike than <laughs> it might be comfortable, but uh, I thought the same thing. Um, you know, people that ask me, too, well, why didn't you run for the board? I, You know, I, I'm busy one. But uh, I, you know, I'm a little outspoken and, and there are a lot of these issues that you're bringing up are some of the same issues that I have. Um, and then another gentleman that's been uh, with the association for a long time, Jay Wilmot, was, uh, you know, and he can, you know, Jay, don't you? Yes, I do. He's the only guy I know that can sandbag me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's like, you know, Patrick, you just, you just got to change comes from within. And I'm like, okay, because I was ranting and raving. Uh, I even suggested that uh, he become the ombudsman for AUVSI. He's so well known. He's, uh, you know, he's been around for a long time. He's a great guy, and he can talk to everyone. So, 
Um, I agree with you, sir. I, I wish you the best of luck. You know, your your bracket that you're in is really the bracket that I, I know everyone in. And, uh, I, and, and I'm going to give other people an opportunity to come on and share their vision. I wish you the best of luck on that, sir. Uh, we need visionaries like you in in the organization, I think, to move the ball forward. And uh, so best of All luck right. on that. And thank you for coming well, thanks, on. Pat. Thanks to you and Gene for having me. And uh, I look forward to more work in the future with you guys. Okay. See you soon, buddy. Have a good, have a good time thanks. on vacation. Okay. All right. Bye. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye.